Welcome to Radio Survivor, the sound of strong communities. My name is Eric Klein, host and producer of the program. My name is Paul Riesmanel. I am another host and producer. And with us on the line from the great city of San Francisco via Skype, we have our third host and producer. Jennifer Waits. <laughs> Hi, Jennifer. Glad to have you on this week's show. And, uh, well, you've got, you're going to be kind of on tour a little bit here. So we're going to talk a little bit about some uh, some things, some stops that are coming up for you in the next uh, month or so. And we've got a little bit of radio news and some follow-up, some follow-up to do here on the show this week. Um, Eric, you had something you well, wanted to mention. Well, I just wanted to mention, it's funny, because uh, last week we had Brian Edwards Teekert host or uh, on leave former host of the KPFA News and Public Affairs program up front. And I just forgot to mention in the body of the show that Brian's last segment on that program before he started the fellowship that he's taking the nine or 10 month break from the program, the last interview that he did for Upfront was with Matthew Lassar uh, talking about Matthew's book, uh, Radio 2.0. And uh, it was so good. I remember the the day I listened to it, I was like, oh, I need to remember to tell Paul about how good I think this is uh, on the podcast. And it kept slipping my mind uh, and 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 then having Brian on was another great opportunity to tell the listeners, if you didn't hear Matthew Lassar being interviewed by Brian Erdestekert about his book, uh, you really should check it out because not only was it a very well, uh, well-crafted radio interview, you know, Brian, as he stated in our interview that aired last week, uh, he reads the books, or at least he tries to. I'm pretty sure in this case he did. And so not only was it a well a uh, well-researched interview with Matthew Lassar, but then he went ahead and lovingly edited in all of the sounds of the history of radio hmm. to go with Matthew's anecdotes, uh, probably to the surprise of Matthew. I don't think Matthew was aware that that's how his interview was going to sound uh, when it all came out uh, and, and aired. And so we'll definitely have a link in the show notes to that segment of uh, KPFA Radio uh, featuring Matthew Lassar because it was so darn good, and I want to make sure that if our listeners didn't get a chance to catch it uh, when it when it aired a couple months ago, uh, we'll, we'll have a link. And uh, you can find that at radiosurvivor.com slash podcast, and uh, that's episode number 65 is today's episode, and we will definitely put that in the show notes. Maybe we'll also go 65. back into, into the future or future into the past and put it into the show notes for the last show too, number 64. <laughs> sure, but we, did, we never mentioned it in that episode. Well, but we can still put it in there. Maybe it belongs there anyway. It's an addendum. Fair enough. Uh, and I have a couple pieces of radio news, radio industry news. We don't do a lot of radio industry news, but there are two stories that kind of struck me this week uh, that I learned about. And the first one I want to share because it's about the radio industry. And, you know, and again, we, we constantly hear about that radio is dying. Right. And, and some of the evidence that's dying is that uh, like the two biggest companies in I radio heard it brought up just the other day at the coffee shop with a person who's never heard Radio Survivor in relation to a radio sh- uh, station here in Portland is just an anecdote where the guy said, blah, blah, blah. And this guy says that no, you know, basically his, he's saying no one under the age of the blah, 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 listens to the radio anyway. Right. Right. So, so who cares? People still say it out in yeah. the wild. We're not making it up. No. So, <laughs> and, 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 and part of the evidence is often that, you know, the two biggest companies in radio, um, iHeartMedia and uh, Cumulus, uh, both are settled with, with millions and, and in, in one case, billions of dollars in debt. And 
the case I, I just want to always remind people is that this debt didn't come because the radio business was bad. This debt came because they over leveraged themselves to hoover up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stations. It seemed like a good idea at the time. In the wake of the 1996 Telecommunications Act. Well, so now here's this news about Beasley Broadcast Group. Uh, that is, you know, otherwise like the number 17 radio owner in the country. So not a big one, but reasonably large. Which wants to buy uh, another company called Greater Media, another radio company. Um, and they're going to buy this company for $240 million. Now, why do I bring that up? Well, that's because Beasley already has $83 million in debt. And if this uh, merger goes through, they will have $265 million in debt. So let me just lay this out in plain language. Here we have a medium-sized radio company trying to become a large radio company that already has $83 million in debt. And in order to pull this off, is going to triple its debt to become bigger. Lots of people at lots of radio stations are going to have to lose their jobs for that to work. I that mean, that is. Am the, I allowed to predict the future? I mean, sure. That that is the only conclusion one can come to based upon the past, based upon what has happened at companies like Cumulus and iHeartMedia. So their net revenue or so, so, you know, and, and this is the thing is that this debt is going to far outpace their revenue. <laughs> so, you know, or at least their, you know, their, it, it, so it'll outpace their, their annual revenue. And of course their revenue is not profit. It's all the money that comes in and only some portion of that is profit. So, um, you know, it just, it just boggles my mind at seeing this, you know, and then of course why financial analysts love it. They think, well, of course, because they'll be able to achieve economies of scale, right? Because they'll be able to combine uh, station clusters in particular markets where they both own stations, which means reducing staff, reducing costs in the short run. But as history has shown, what that often comes with is a reduction in public service and local service and an overall reduction in the quality of their program. Financial analysts have a different set of values than Radio Survivor hosts and producers. So here we have a company that, to my eyes, is getting ready to to just dig itself an even bigger hole that it doesn't have to do. <laughs> sure, it already has some debt, which it's been able to maintain. This isn't debt, which, uh, you know, it's very often companies have debt, um, and it only becomes problematic when the, when your, uh, the people – you owe money, come back and say, hey, uh, pay up. And in, as far as I know, uh, Beasley has been able to maintain this debt. But, so what uh, is their, like, what's their story about why they want to do this? What are they telling the public? Oh, well, I mean, they're not telling the public anything because, you know, this isn't being, you know, this isn't some, this is, this is, this is a uh, back page of the financial section. News. Is there, is, does, does any uh, government entity get to sign off on the deal or did they get to do it? Well, they have to file with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Um, it could, I mean, it could trigger Justice Department review, but unlikely because they're too small. It's not as if Clear Channel and Cumulus were trying to merge. And it already works under the rules of the... And then it would have, well, yeah. And so it would it would require the FCC would have to sign off on the terms. So if it were the fact that in a given market, they're... Um, they would exceed the local market ownership cap, then they would have to make arrangements to get rid of those stations one way or another. 
Um, but from a standpoint of a, of a nationwide, there is no cap. They can own as many stations as they like nationwide, so there would be no barrier to this deal. So and where, the, are they, where are they located primarily? Are they all over the country? So, no. So Beasley uh, would be, is mostly in the, uh, in the Northeast and in North Carolina, and, and then it would be expanding into Michigan. So they'll be adding two clusters they have in Philadelphia, Boston, and Charlotte, North Carolina. They would be able to move into Detroit uh, Metro, and then they would get, uh, add in markets in New Jersey, um, Middlesex, uh, Monmouth Ocean, and Morristown, uh, New Jersey. So they would have, they would go into, they would have 73 stations if this deal goes through, 52 FMs, 21 AMs, which is kind of puny compared to, uh, you know, uh, iHeartMedia or Cumulus. But <laughs> again, coming with a substantial amount of, of debt. Um, the company says that their annual revenue should be $247 million a year after the merger. Um, currently, it's about $106 million a year. But again, they will have to maintain uh, quite a bit more debt in order to do so. In fact, they're using debt entirely to make pretty much to make this sale, to make this uh, purchase more or less. So this is basically just being put on a credit card. It's like buying, just buying a new car and sticking it on the credit card. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a smaller version of the same sorts of radio consolidation stories yep. that have been uh, unfolding for decades. Yeah. And so I just want to point out, this is not debt that is necessary. This is, you know, not debt that, that the company has to take on simply to stay in business, that this is debt that they're using in order ostensibly to grow the business, but not necessarily in the interest of its employees now, now or, uh, or, or the uh, public. So maybe, so the, the silver lining is that uh, some college and community stations in those markets will have new opportunities to impress people with how radio can sound uh, local and pretty as uh, the other commercial stations in their area sort of uh, decline. Yes. Second piece of news, and this just came across a transom today as we're recording, September 23, that iHeartRadio, which is, you know, the radio app for, uh, for the company formerly known as Clear Channel, is going <laughs> to launch its own music service called iHeart Plus and iHeartRadio All Access. So that the same app, which currently you use to uh, listen to iHeart stations and many other stations uh, on the internet via smartphone, uh, they're going to add basically a Spotify-like feature. Okay. So you can subscribe to, uh, to various music programs. For money or with, with ads? For money, is my understanding, is that it will be for money. Uh, around $5 or $10 a month. So basically mirroring what you get with uh, various things with either Pandora or Spotify. The reason I'm bringing it up, and uh, one, is, again, let's let's note that iHeartMedia is the most indebted company in radio, <laughs> in addition to being the largest company in radio. The second reason I, I bring up, because this is definitely a stepwise away from Broadcast. This is a stepwise move away from radio, from broadcast, which is otherwise iHeartMedia's principal business. Um, I also want to point out that, that Cumulus had a deal with RDO, R-D-I-O, 
uh, RDO went out of business. That was an opportunity. It was it was sort of uh, this this sort of ill fated attempt for Cumulus to have a non broadcast business. Right. We talked now, about that. They didn't that buy on the- RDO, but they were in a, a sort of a a, a a a very tight financial deal. Yeah. Didn't they? They spent some money trying to. Oh, uh, they get definitely it. spent some money. Uh, and which is part of the growing weird debt that, yes, they, that, that they also happen to have. And then RDO went out of business because it's, as it turns out, this is a very competitive sector. And I also want to point out there are no profitable companies in streaming music, <laughs> in streaming music. I, well, that's not quite correct. Apple and Google are both profitable companies. They sell songs individuals. No, they no. Or, there's Google play all access. Oh, okay. And then there's Apple music. Oh, Apple music makes money. Well, no, we don't know. Oh, they just, we just okay. know that the companies are profitable. Oh. They are both profitable companies. We don't know if their streaming music businesses are profitable. What I look at in, in iHeartMedia here in my heart radio is a company which is currently uh, unprofitable getting into another business which requires significant amounts of capital and again hasn't shown to be profitable yet. <laughs> in, in which there seems to be no strong demand for a third or fourth service. Um, title, which is Jay Z streaming music service, in debt. Mm-hmm. Um, there were rumors that Apple was going to buy it. Uh, it's not doing well. Spotify is not profitable. Pandora, I don't believe, is po- profitable. This is not a profitable sector here because the capital requirements are so high. Why is iHeartMedia doing this? I have one possible answer. They're doing it because this will give them leverage with the record labels and allow them to negotiate royalty rates that are significantly more in their advantage than those that are otherwise mandated by the uh, Library of Congress. Royalty rates for the online streaming of their radio stations? Correct. Ah. It's a big chess game. It is a big, big chess game. Um, But that is my guess, and that they can probably also work out promotional deals. I mean, you know, one of the things that that iHeart has going for them that Spotify does not is they have hundreds of stations that they can basically run ads on for free advertising their new streaming music services. We should find out what uh, is in uh, – uh, Freedom of Music Coalition is that who I want to call now? Yes, I th- we should probably find out who what what they think. What they so future. Again, future of music. Thank two you. two yes. new two pieces of news because I think these are the stories that we've been following longitudinally here on Radio Survivor. I just wanted to uh, bring to folks' attention, and we'll we'll pay attention. We'll keep watching it and see what happens. Yeah, interesting in this uh, sphere of broadcast. Love to know what you think. Send us an email: podcast at radiosurvivor.com. And, uh, of course, we'll have links to various news in our show notes, radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. So, Jennifer, thanks for hanging on the line while I, <laughs> while I brought these uh, two things. I'm, like, thoroughly depressed now. I'm sorry. I guess we should have left it for the end. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, but so, well, you're getting ready. Uh, you're, you're going on the road, which seems like, uh, you know, it sounds like it's, it's like a perpetual condition for you, except I know that you, 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 you schedule your trips to be very dense <laughs> with your station yes. visits. Yes, yes. Well, and I am going on the road. One of the trips I just decided, I just finalized within the past few days. So things are suddenly a bit more hectic in October than they were a week ago. <laughs> and which which one is this? Um, the Grassroots Radio Conference. I'd been I'd been mulling it over for a while. It's happening in Hot Springs, Arkansas. So, um, off the beaten path. 
yeah, for me. And we did mention <laughs> it a couple of weeks ago on the show, but I, I this is being held at a host station, correct? And I think it's another low-power FM this year. Isn't that correct? Yeah, it's being held actually at a solar-powered station, um, which they keep um, they keep mentioning. And I think they're actually going to have some presentations about that. Um, so it's at a solar-powered station in Hot Springs, Arkansas, uh, the call letters are escaping me at the moment. And then the grassroots oh. radio conference for, for people who, for, for the tiny subset of our listeners who don't know about the grassroots radio conference, it's the, it's the biggest, smallest radio conference, right? It's, it's for community stations and, and low yeah. power FM stations to, to come together. Yeah. It's a grassroots event. Um, it's KUHS LP that's hosting it. The um, solar powered uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas station. Yes. And they went on the air in August of 2015. Looking so, forward to that station tour, Jennifer. I know. So that's that's a pretty new station. Um, and yeah, the Grassroots Radio Coalition started in 1996. And um, okay. it's really a grassroots community radio organization. And the conferences come together um sort of collectively stations will offer to host them. Paul and I went to, well, the only grassroots radio conference that I went to, um, Paul was there and that was in 2012 in Champaign-Urbana. Right. Um, and that was sort of, you know, on the brink of the application window for low power FM. So only I had a we great did, time. I don't, I, did we know it yet? I can't remember. Well, we knew people were anticipating the window. Okay. So there were a lot of panels and discussions about preparing to apply. Because um, I forget when they announced that the window was going to open. So I think at that point we didn't know when the window was going to open. But no, we knew no, that it, it was, hadn't been announced at that point. I just couldn't even remember if we imminent. knew it was imminent. Yeah. And I went in 2000 in Madison, Wisconsin. Oh, uh, wow. So, you know, one of the very first ones, I think it was the first one that was not held at one of the originating stations. So I believe it was WERU in Maine and and uh, KGNU in Boulder, Colorado were the two sort of founding stations in a way. I mean, they really, the, there were the two station managers there um, put in a lot of work to try and get, get the organization off the ground. A lot of it was came actually as a result of Pacifica, as it often is in community radio, uh, that many of the affiliate stations, uh, so stations carrying Pacifica programming, uh, came together to kind of figure out what to do as they could see problems happening at right. the Pacifica Foundation already. there, I think there had been some lockouts at KPFA, and uh, there were concerns about uh, programming and a relationship whether the, you know, with, with the network. And so some of that, but not all of it, was in, in that sort of uh, organizing around issues there, which uh, previously didn't really need to have happen. And so it's, it's kind of cool. It's, this would, you know, be the, the 20th year, right? <laughs> I don't think there's been a conference every single year, but there's, oh, yeah. there's been, uh, most years there has been one of these conferences and it's great how low power FM stations last year and this year are picking up the mantle. So it had been mostly sort of what I might call legacy, uh, community radio stations, ones that have been around a long time, you know, uh, 20 plus years, often that are fairly well funded, 
you know, in that they, they, they serve communities of like a quarter million or bigger, uh, you know, and so they're, they're fairly, if not flush by any means, but fairly well established. Most of the conference, much of the time, early on, and then there's been this shift to many more low power FM stations. It was, uh, you know, WRFU in Urbana uh, was the host station in 2012, um, and it's a low power station from the first window back in in 2000. Um, and in fact, low power FM was a big part of the discussion at the Grassroots Radio conference I went to in Madison in 2000 because of of that was the the cusp of the first window uh, for low power FM uh, back then. Yeah, and I think this year, Low Power FM is going to be a huge part. Uh, the schedule is still coming together. It's going to be October 7th to 10th. Um, and so they're they're sketching out the schedule, and there are definitely some LPFM-focused sessions, including a roundtable. Um, Michelle Bradley from REC is going to be there and share all of her wisdom so about she's an low power FM. REC is an engineering firm that has really uh, dedicated a lot of effort and time to low power FM and been a real advocate, especially when it comes to uh, helping stations find their place on the dial. Yeah. Um, and, and she's provided great resources even for tracking low power FM mm-hmm. applications. So I, I really appreciate her work. Um, Jim Ellinger, who's from Austin Airwaves, he's actually helped to get community radio stations on the air all over the world. And so he's going to be talking about, he's going to be talking about that as well and sharing a global view of community radio, which I think will be really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'm going to do some sort of radio tour show and tell presentation. Oh, great. Yeah, talking about community radio. I've done, I've done similar presentations over the years. Um, most recently, I did one at the College Broadcasters Inc. conference where I focused on things I'd seen at radio stations, at college radio stations, and um, and that one I made sort of a light presentation, um, just sort of a fun look at things that you've seen in college radio. Um, but for the GRC conference. I think I'll focus on community radio, but also focus a bit on radio history. Because hmm, huh. um, this how will exciting. be how yeah, how, it'll be my opportunity. Um, you know, I'm on the radio preservation task force, co-chairing a committee that's focused on college, community, and educational radio. So I'm always looking for opportunities to talk to radio stations about preserving their history, and and I think it's important even to talk to brand new radio stations about that. So I'm I'm looking forward to meeting people from longtime existing stations and brand new stations and see what they're doing as far as archiving. Right. Remind me how many weeks you have to prepare for this presentation. <laughs> how far uh, out are we? Oh, we're just a few weeks away. Yeah, like I think. Okay. So yeah. so so I'm gonna I want to ask you a bunch of questions about about what your plan is. I understand you haven't uh, you haven't formalized. The presentation. You don't have two your weeks. slides. We're two weeks away, actually, Paul. <laughs> oh my! How, so, how fun! <laughs> so I just want to point out that people still have time, though, to make their plans to go. So yeah, uh, you know, if you are, uh, I hear Hot Springs, Arkansas, is beautiful. Yeah, it should be really that, gorgeous that told in October. Me I should be there. It should be. It should be temperate, and the, there should the, be great color on the trees. 
Um, yeah, it's a, it looks very green in Google Earth. I, I think I mentioned that yeah, the last time we talked yeah. about it. Yeah, so, uh, but it's, so folks can go. Do you know, and the website I think is grc2016.org. Is that uh, correct? No, it's, it's grc2016.net. .net, okay. There we go. Yeah. So, so your presentation, Jennifer, it's going to focus on your, your station tours and uh, the different ideas, uh, the different the different strategies that some stations have, and I guess don't have, around uh, preserving their history? Well, I will talk about what I've seen at community radio stations, and then I will weave into that, you know, maybe have some photos of history that I've seen, evidence of history filing, that I've seen. Filing cabinets you photographed? Yeah, well, like at KBU, um, they had a whole room that was full of reel-to-reel tapes, mm-hmm. so like I'll probably show a picture of that. Um, and did you know they have an, a consultant right now who is working on on the preservation of those them. assets? That's good because I, I just, just got worried. I just heard that. I think yesterday. It's really exciting. Yes. There and there are some efforts going on right now with with the um, Radio Preservation Task Force and the National Federation of Community Broadcasters. Um, are they're starting to do a collaboration to encourage stations to keep track of their history and make lists of what they have. So I think actually the conference is coming at a really good time because I feel like there are a lot of things that I can share and resources that I can talk about for new and old stations. And, and Jennifer, you'll also, I hope, be able to uh, bring back some interviews and and some uh, some more reporting from from the uh, various sessions that you're able to attend there. Yes, I will. I will try to uh, corral people and have them talk to me. And and I want to point out that this is um, a trip that that our donors, the people who support Radio Survivor, are going to help you make. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, thanks to our our Patreon campaign that we have an ongoing Patreon campaign where people are donating regularly to us and we're using some of that fund to help pay for a portion of my travel costs. Yeah. I love it because it's, it's such a modest request and the response is also, um, so it's like significant and also, uh, really, really modest. And yet it's concrete. Like it's, uh, these are real dollars that are going to have a real impact on Jennifer's ability to bring us real voices. Uh, it's so sweet because uh, I'm I'm so used to to large radio fundraising uh, uh, successes and failures where where thousands upon thousands of dollars in a day are you live or die. You know, eight thousand was not enough. Someone might lose their job, and in this case, just a just a few hundred dollars trickling in. Uh, allows allows Jennifer to take this trip. Yeah, and I think I mean to me the, the value back to the community radio community is that there are folks who because of funds and because of resource and time won't be able to attend. And so I mean we I mean you know we're not live streaming the whole thing. It's not going to be the same as going, but I hope that we can that Jennifer will be able to share back some of the Next big year. takeaways, some of Next the big year, learnings. We'll live stream the whole thing. I'll be there. <laughs> That's a great idea. I, I think promise. they actually I think they actually are going to have oh, some sort of um recording archive, but it may be for registered attendees. 
So yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to justify in many cases because it is a lot yeah. of work and a lot of, a lot of effort and, and money uh, to, to pull these things off. So we'll be able to, you know, share some reporters, some of the most important things that, that happened there. And, and as well, what's great is that Jennifer will get to go and share her expertise yeah. and, and your research and, and your on the ground learning uh, with the folks there. And, and, and I'll point out at GRC, it's not, it, it, it is, it is a truly grassroots conference they really want to make it so that anyone who can possibly get there can attend. So it's not one of these conferences where it's like a thousand dollars for a ticket. Um, it is very reasonable and I think it's sliding scale, but it is a matter of traveling, having the time and ability to travel to hot springs, Arkansas for a weekend, which it sounds simple, but again, for folks, especially probably at new low power FM stations who are probably piling every free moment and many of their free dollars into getting their stations off the ground or, or keeping them running in the early days, even that can seem difficult. So we're, we're glad to have this opportunity to share this. And we'd like to do so much more of that. So I'll throw in the pitch right now. Um, you know, I know, Jennifer, there, you and I have talked. And there are many events that you wish you could go to or stations you wish you could visit if you if you had the, both the time but also the funding. Uh, the station visits you've done so far have been on your own dime, have often been adjuncts to vac- family vacations right um yeah pretty much um you know or stations that are near where i live so it's just a quick road trip um but yeah it's um, it's not like i'm a professor who can apply for travel grants at my college you know so i have to figure out ways to sort of fund these things on my own and so uh, when we have more funding coming in via our fundraising uh, appeals, uh, we're able to do more of this. Um, and so uh, it would be great to see uh, more of this happen, frankly, because of the contribution you've made to sort of documenting the current status of College of Community Radio as well as its, its, its history, both both uh, sort of recent and distant. Yeah, your ability and, to evangelize on behalf of these stations that they need that they need to care about their history, which is often like uh, sort of a difficult, not a difficult sell, but like when you're thinking about people who, who run these stations, who, who uh, they, it's, they, they, they're like fireflies. Their, their time at the station is brief. You know, it's the, it's the, it's the time of their, their youth in college often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, getting into those uh, young people's minds, the idea that their history matters and that they need to preserve it for their, for the next person who sits in their chair, let alone people that are going to come along 20, 50 years from now. Uh, it's such an important idea, and it's I'm sure it's not a difficult sell once you give them the opportunity to know why it matters. But if, uh, if Jennifer's not doing it, I don't know who's doing it. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, that is our quick pitch. We didn't, I didn't quite mean to turn this into a pledge drive pitch there, but it was just it's so... Good, it's good to loosen up the, the fun drive. It was just in, in front of me. Um, it, it Ours can, is coming up next week at the station where I DJ. Okay, so KFJC. myself mentally. Yeah, so... Uh, we have two kinds of ways that you can help support uh, Radio Survivor. We have Patreon, which is a service that helps creators uh, with ongoing funding. And with Patreon, what you do is you pledge to support us for a certain amount every single month. Can be five dollars, can be ten dollars, even one dollar helps. And the whole idea is in its funding we can count on. Uh, it's it's because of Patreon 
that we were able to kind of look at the finances and say, hey, it's just something we can do um, because we, we, we have this money coming in regularly and it's much more predictable uh, than one time. But if you could only uh, – you know, have one-time funding or, you know, perhaps uh, you're not interested in having this ongoing obligation. We totally understand. So we can also, would be glad to have you send us a one-time donation if, if you can afford it. Go to radiosurvivor.com slash support. And you have uh, clicked through to both of those options. And we greatly appreciate it. And thank you to everyone who currently supports us through Patreon uh, for helping us make this possible. And then so you've got you've got the Grassroots Radio Conference on your agenda. And then um, something we talked about, we've talked about last year and, and you always report on is uh, the College Broadcasters Inc. annual conference is coming up as well, correct? Yes. So that's in Philadelphia, August or August, October 20th to 22nd. Oh, so it is a busy month. Yes. Um, and in between those two things are, yeah, right before my trip to the CBI conference, um, I'm going to go to nearby Haverford College, which is 20 minutes outside of Philadelphia. Your alma and mater. I, my alma mater. And I'm going to give a talk there, um, the talk that I was supposed to give in February about um, the history of college radio at Haverford. Um, so that will be on October 19th. And, that's, and then, is that the first station that you that you dug into the history of? No, it's coincidentally not the first station, even though it's your first college station. Oh, that's a good question. Is that the first station I dug into the history of? I didn't I mean know. to trick you. That's so funny. <laughs> it's, I mean, I guess I... I would have to go back and look and see um, the timeline for all of that. But, you know, when I went back to Haverford for a reunion, I remember trying to check in on the station. And it was going back for my reunions that actually prompted this interest in in the history of the station there. That's so right. I started embarking on this never-ending Project and we to, we talked about that in a in a in a segment of of the college radio watch here on the podcast. We'll have to have a link to that in the show notes. I'll yes, because that would be a good introduction to the talk that yeah will be happening in October. That was supposed to happen in February. I was waylaid by a bug bite that uh, required hospitalization. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I I was like a mile away, but could not go and talk about college radio history. Um, but it's, it's part of this really cool series at Haverford college at the library in the Quaker and special collections section of McGill library. They have a series called dig into the archives where somebody comes in and talks about material that's existing in their archives. Um, so it's, it's the perfect setting. So we'll pull out, um, We'll pull out some things from the Haverford College archives related to radio history. So I'm not entirely sure yet, but we'll probably bring out some photos and some yearbooks and maybe old, um, there's an old script from the 1940s, I believe, that tells actually the history of the radio station, but it was, students wrote it as a sort of radio drama script. Um, So they have that original script there. So we'll pull things out for people to look at while I'm talking about it, which I think is pretty amazing because it makes all of this come alive. Right. It's real there in the room, not just an idea in that case. 
And then uh, CBI um, is the big college broadcasters conference, and that's happening in Philadelphia nearby. And yes. so, um, why why do you go to this? Why do you? Because you're, I mean, you are involved in college radio, right? I mean, so mm-hmm. you work at KFGC, but you're not really, you're not like a station manager. Uh, you don't, you know, you, you don't currently hold a some kind of title of responsibility at a station, do you? Uh, well, I'm assistant publicity director. Okay. Um, so, so yes, and we have no publicity director. <laughs> <laughs> so ostensibly I'm the publicity director, but I, um, I didn't really want the full responsibility <laughs> of that. <laughs> I'm going to use that. I like that. Um, so yeah, it just means I, there's certain things I don't really want to do, so I don't feel completely responsible for them. But this is a volunteer uh, position, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So at KFJC, uh, we're really pretty much all of us are volunteers. Um, and so I've been doing ongoing volunteer work, work there over the years. So I always bring stuff back from the CBI conference that I can share with people at KFJC. In fact, um, I will often give a presentation at our KFJC weekly meeting talking about what I learned at the conference. So, so what kind of things, what kind of practicalities are you bringing back then? So this isn't just an opportunity to go and party with, uh, other college radio people. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's chock full of interesting information. Um, well, some of the things that I have found interesting are um, so it's it's a student media conference. So it's although it it feels like it's mostly college radio, there are also high school radio stations, and also people from um, it's it's student electronic media. So there are also people from television stations and websites. Um, so it, it's a variety of things. Um, but some of the sessions that I found interesting, um, I like to see how other stations approach um, things like live video. Um, that's something we do at KFJC. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I attended a bunch of those presentations over the past few years and have, have come back and reported back about, oh, you know, it, it seems like at most other stations people are – recording maybe a live set by a band and then they're editing it and packaging it and posting it on their website. Um, versus at KFJC where we do live streaming video when we have bands come in. Hmm. So the editing is happening. It all, it's all happening live. Um, so it's interesting for, for people at KFJC to hear about what's going on in other places and what might make us unique. Um, I always love going to sessions where lawyers are talking about things. <laughs> so you can learn um, about, about the, th- the things to look out for with regard to the FCC and, and, and similar things. Yeah. Um, so I think that is incredibly valuable and it's, you know, you're essentially getting free legal advice. So I think, I think that is worthwhile for anybody involved in any radio station to go to a session where you've got experts in the room. Um, they also have some show and tell sessions where people bring in pieces of production and, and you can listen and hear what people at other stations are doing. So that's been really interesting to me. Um, they have a swag swap every year where people bring in promotional items from their stations. So I get to collect a bunch of stickers and buttons and t-shirts and bring them back. Um, but it also gives you ideas like, Oh wow. I never thought about doing, um, headphones or trying to think of some of the unusual items I've seen there. Um, you know, but that can be, 
a great place to share ideas about promoting your station. They also have an awards ceremony, so there's a chance for stations to get recognition about as to the work that they're doing um, throughout the year. And there are social gatherings. So like the swag swap that I talked about is, is sort of a social hour as well. So right. people can pick up swag and chat with people from other stations. You know, and there's always sort of the unofficial things that happen at conferences where you're just chatting with people in the halls and learning about other radio stations, getting ideas. Every time I visit a station, I get ideas. Um, so every time I go to a conference and talk to people from stations, I get ideas. So will you be able to uh, bring back some of that reportage for us here and, and at radiosurvivor.com? Of course, always. <laughs> and are you are you planning any other radio station visits in the Philadelphia area? I don't know if you've exhausted uh, that region or not. <laughs> no, it's impossible. I still haven't visited all the stations in the San Francisco Bay Area. Wow. And I live here. Um, well, so on my trip in February, I was actually supposed to visit three stations in the Philly area in one day. And that was a day when I was in the hospital. So it's like a river though, a a community (laughs) radio station, a college radio station. It's never the same station, uh, year to year. It's like, you can never step into the same station twice. So it's true. So if you visited a station in Philly, uh, in 2014, it's not, it's a new opportunity. Will will you have a car? Um, I don't think so, but the stations that I'm visiting, are all public. I, I just want to make this pitch for you to go to WTSR in Trenton, but it's not, uh, it's not in Trenton. It's in Ewing. And so it's not, it's, uh, I mean, it's, I haven't been there in a very long time. So it's not so accessible without a car to the best of my knowledge. There was unfortunately. a, there was a Philly station that we had on a super early episode of the podcast that was just getting on the right, air. It's a station at Philly cam. Yeah. How are oh, they yeah. doing? They've been on the air now for about a year. It'd be, yeah. That'd be so fun to know. Yeah, it would be really cool to see that station. Um, and hopefully I will. I haven't started actually mapping things out because the the schedule for the conference is not posted yet as far as you know when my sessions will be. Um, so when the detailed schedule comes out, then I'll start figuring it out. Um, but I think you know WKDU at Drexel... Um, was a station that I actually listened to in college. I've been a fan over the years. Uh, that was a station I was really looking forward to seeing in February. So that's going to be sort of on the top of my list. I have a friend who's uh, an alum of WKDU. Um, yeah, it's like, and she was probably great. there about the same time that you were at Haverford, give or take a year. And the, I may have, that Philly, I may very well have heard her show. That Philly cam, uh, low power FM station that we covered so long ago. I was really excited about how it was, um, it was devoted to local music in, in a, a rich cultural landscape that did not have a community station devoted to local music. So that, that I, I, I still remember being excited for them that, that Philadelphia would finally have a radio station that wanted to highlight, uh, how much music was being made in their town. Yeah, that's, it's pretty exciting. Um, so I'm definitely going to do my best to see Philly cam. Um, as far as college stations, uh, Temple university was also on my list last time and Cabrini college. 
which shares their FM frequency with Villanova. And during my last round of station tours in Philly, I toured the Villanova station, but not the Cabrini station. So I really wanted to see, I felt like I was seeing half of, half of the whole situation there. Um, so those were the stations I missed in February that I hope to see on, on this trip. And then, uh, and then when I'm in Arkansas, I'm going to try to see at least two stations. Okay. Wow. So for those of you keeping track, you can figure out what number I'm up to now. Yeah, You should just keep, <laughs> so, so your phone doesn't fill up. Just keep sending me the audio. Just keep texting it to me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> keep emailing it to me. We'll get, get Paul like logged into your iCloud. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and when is the uh, CBI conference in, in Philadelphia again? What were the exact it's dates? Oct- yeah, it's October 20th to 22nd. And they're actually having some pre-conference sessions on the 19th, including one that's all about LPFM, like an entire day. Oh, wow. On low-power FM. That's great. Which should be great. So, And what's their so, website? Yeah, their website is askcbi.com. Okay. And uh, can, can anyone go? Do you, do you <laughs> or I guess anyone who's affiliated with a college station, I guess, can go or, or high school station. Yeah, I don't know. So you have to register, um, but I I don't know if there's a specific restriction on mm. on that. Um, yeah, that's that's worth looking into. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it could be it could be fascinating for folks, and, and I, you know, there there's such an opportunity, I think, often for folks in community radio to learn from folks in college radio and vice versa. And we've we've seen a little bit of that happening kind of nascently here in Portland, Oregon, where uh, some of the folks who are involved with uh, KPSU, which is an online station at Portland State University, as well as uh, some folks who are involved with the University of Portland station have uh, come to some events uh, that were hosted by KBU, KBOO, and X-Ray and Freeform Portland, and there's been a little bit of a little bit more discussion, a little and, and sharing of resource there. Uh, it'd be kind of cool if there could be a little bit more uh, of that happening through a CBI or even a grassroots radio conference. Well, and and now as you're mentioning that, um, you know, there are people that I know who are at community radio stations who have attended CBI, and sometimes there are there's sort of a crossover where stations function as sort of a hybrid college and community right or like like, like a wrvu at uh university of virginia yeah so it's you know the sometimes the boundaries are pretty fluid it's true um, so and and there will be a mix of people presenting as well exactly well that's why we continue to cover because we think the boundaries are very fluid so we cover it all here at uh, at Radio Survivor, so that yeah, it's going to be quite an exhausting October. So I don't know, invigorating, how much, invigorating. I don't know how much time you'll Busy. have to be on the show during the month, but we certainly look forward to your report backs um, afterwards, at the very least. Yes, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. I mean, we can get you on the road. You you know, have phone. We'll travel. These you know your these lovely little smartphones are multifunction devices. You can report. You can broadcast. You can. We can get quite a bit done um, with these. Well, yeah, these and you devices. know, Paul. I don't know if everybody noticed this at the time, but Paul and I have both tried some Facebook Live. Um, we've we've done Facebook Live from the Radio Survivor Facebook account. So that's right. Maybe, I did one on National I'll, Radio Day, and so did you. Yeah, 
We both did. So maybe I will. I didn't notice, which doesn't bode well, but that does, I'm, I might be on Facebook less than. It was a than, Saturday. I might be on Facebook less than the other uh, Radio yeah. Survivor fans. <laughs> I think Saturdays you take a break from social media. Ugh, I try not to get onto Facebook from too long every day. <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched like a real live stream of anything. Which yeah, it's, I'm I mean, behind. it's sort of. It's sort of a new phenomenon on Facebook, um, and so you'll see people starting to experiment with that. So, yeah. so maybe I'll do some surprise live segments. Oh, uh, that my would travels. be fantastic! So that means that means if you're on Facebook, you definitely need to go and like Radio Survivor. Uh, we are there go. so that you will know when you'll be alerted when Jennifer starts up her live stream. Yeah, because if you're on Facebook, generally when somebody is doing a live event. I think it pops up on the top of your feed now. Yeah. Or somehow. Um, oh, the mysterious And that will change algorithm. when everybody starts broadcasting live, but now it's still pretty under the radar. Um, and, and also, kind of as an added bonus, I'm going to try to do some, some extra posts for our Patreon subscribers when I go out on the road. So That's I might right. have some bonus photos and content. That's great. So if you want to make sure you don't miss anything, uh, one way to do that is to become a Patreon supporter. Uh, go to radiosurvivor.com slash support to learn how. Uh, Jennifer, I'm so glad you could join us uh, this week and catch us up and give us a good preview, in fact, of all the great um, trips you have ahead of you and the uh, visits you'll be doing and the talks you'll be giving. As well as, uh, you know, it's just nice to hang out with you. <laughs> well, it's, it's been a while since the three of us have done the show together. So it's been, it's been lovely. That's right. I, I'm so glad that we do, we've managed to carry it off. Uh, we managed to get this show in, uh, la- I mean, for months now, we haven't taken a week off. I think the last time we took a week off was probably around Memorial Day. Even though I, I've been away or you've been away. Someone uh, steps up. We're able to kind of uh, continue to produce the show, you know, because neither of us, not for none of us, is this our job. So we gotta, gotta catch as catch can. I'm just sort of reflecting that uh, as we sit here on episode 65. Yeah. By the way. Well, I've been going back to make sure so I can mention it now instead of just leaving it to the end. Uh, episode number 11 is when we interviewed uh, Philly Cam. Okay, we talked to oh, uh, Vanessa great. Marie uh, Graber, yes. And episode number 34 is where the College Radio Watch segment uh, was Jennifer talking about Haverford College's history. Oh, that's great. Oh, it's going to make show notes so much easier to do. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. But it's, um, yeah, a whole lot of Radio Survivor these days. 30, 65? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling wistful and reflective. It's the season <laughs> as we as we head into the darker months. And we haven't even done another meta show. Like at our first quarter, it's we coming. did sort of a state of the state of the podcast. Because we might, right when fall starts to turn to winter, we might have to we might have to just do a whole reflective yeah. thinking about what we have done and why we did it. And then maybe you know take a snooze. Since Take a snooze. <laughs> here, up here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, I feel very sleepy when winter comes around. Oh, because it gets dark. It gets dark. Very early. It's, it's, it's finally cold because it's really quite, really never that cold. And uh, yeah. And oh, is it dark? And I'm going to, to uh, New Zealand for a few weeks in December. So lucky. Oh, wow. That's Are there awesome. radio stations in New Zealand? Or no, they don't have talk? radio down there. Uh, okay, cool. 
<laughs> no, the, yeah, I, I, I should look into it. And I, I may, I may they even have college radio, Paul. <laughs> yes. They even have college. I radio. saw a New Zealand fact that, uh, anecdotally bears out in my life experience that it's one of the, um, it's one of the most, uh, this is impossible to say this sentence eloquently. The, the people who are born there don't live there anymore. Like, Almost more than any other country on earth. Oh, they leave. They leave to go to to go work. They work and live in other countries. Yeah. Well, it's you know, it, I mean, I've never been there, so it'll be my first time. I have some friends there, um, in fact, and in, in my wife's cousin lives there now. Um, she went to graduate school there and now lives there. So we'll be, of course, catching up with these folks. And I think what I understand is that it's gorgeous. It's a very beautiful place, but it is. A fairly remote place. It's like small. Yeah, it's small. Like my friends that I knew here in Portland, uh, they, the 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 mother of the family of these little boys, uh, would never stop talking about how much she loved going to Goodwill to buy books because there were no books in New Zealand, and I really still don't believe her. Clearly, there had to be, but. I guess they don't, you've got a yeah, you've got a country of of uh, just shade over a million people or so. So the used book market in in uh, the and United if you're States. Go, and if you're going to go visit New Zealand, you're not going to drag all these books to go yeah. donate to Goodwill or, or right. It's, it's it's things have to just travel so much further, you know. And, and of course, they have an indigenous publishing industry, broadcast industry, film industry, and things like, like that, right? But it, in terms of material goods, they have to travel so far uh, to get there. Uh, we 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 are otherwise very lucky here in North America. Or in Europe, where there's just, just huge throwing, concentration just of people. Fill of books. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, we have way more stuff than we know what to do with. But that's that's a topic talk. for another show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm looking forward to it because um, yeah. I think it will be it will be uh, fascinating. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see if I can squeeze in some radio trip. We'll see. I, I'm certainly curious to uh, to tune in and to listen. And, yeah, you got to uh, do a band scan. Take in the culture, in and I'm not car. spending. I'm not spending the entire time in Auckland, which is the 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 big major city of about a million people up on the north side of the North Island. I'll be I'll be making my way through the North Island and the South Island, and I um, I'm excited to see penguins. And it has nothing to do with radio, but <laughs> I, I'm I'm one of my uh, top things I want to do in New Zealand is see some penguins, real penguins out in the wild up close. Oh, it's beautiful. I, I've been to New Zealand and I oh. absolutely loved it. Yes. I, I, I didn't see any radio stations. This was before I, I was on a mission. My jaw just <laughs> dropped. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then. Well, thank you, Jennifer, for joining us. Uh, thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, working through your uh, your your early fall. Uh, oh, I feel better now. Crud, <laughs> uh, and thank everyone, uh, all of you who have listened and and, and who have supported us here into uh, sixty five episodes and hundred plus radio station tours. Uh, we do it because because of you folks. If you weren't listening and and reading, uh, there would be no point in doing it. So we really appreciate every moment that you spend with us. Uh, thank you very much. 